Hey everyone, welcome to The Streaming Show. My name is Daniel Newman and today I've got with me... Brian Ellis from the Global Sales and Solutions Engineering Group. And today we're going to be talking about transcoders and transmuxing. Stick around. dive into it. We're talking about transcoders and transmuxing. Uh, really, just transcoding and transmuxing, not uh, transcoders. Sure. Um, so yeah, let's start at the very, very beginning of it all. Let's talk about transcoders. What is a transcoder? Sure. So I think uh, transcoding, generally speaking, is a blanket term, and it, it can cover three things, really. Transcoding itself, meaning okay. um, taking in an encoded stream, decoding it, manipulating or altering the data and then re-encoding so you can you can do that to change the actual codec say ingest h264 video output h265 video okay uh, separately I, I think it's used as a term to to for trans rating so being that you would render multiple different profiles or bitrate renditions of a single input stream okay so take in uh, 1080p, 5 megabit per second stream, render 720p, 480p, lower qualities and lower bit rates okay. uh, to deliver out in an adaptive bit rate format. Okay. And then kind of go along with that, uh, transsizing or resizing the actual video resolution. So changing the, the resolution of the, of the video stream. Okay. And I think, generally speaking, in the market or in the industry, people say transcoding, and it means all of those things. Okay. So where do we fit in that world of transcoding? Sure. So from a Wowza perspective, uh, that we have the streaming engine software platform, which can provide live transcoding uh, for video and audio streams. And we also have our streaming cloud service, which is a live event-based service that uh, provides on-the-fly live transcoding as part of that service. Okay. Um, so a lot of our customers are, are using it for the generic um, resizing and providing multi-bitrate streams out. Okay. Um, you can also get creative with uh, custom APIs and, and building out modules for um, sti static or dynamic overlays. Okay. So think adding... Uh, burning in ads in the stream, adding watermarks, logos, um, getting dynamic news tickers or sports okay. scro scores, things like that can okay. be used. And also um, extracting thumbnail images so you can extract frames from the, the live stream and, and have those images okay. uh, for later use. Cool. So I kind of want to back up a little bit. I, th I feel like I jumped ahead a little bit too much into what we do in terms of transcoding. Um, why? Do we need transcoding? Sure. That's the big, like to me, because I, I look, I hear you talking about things like, you know, changing different codecs and resolutions and all the different kind of stuff. So like, why is that super important? Why do you need it? Yeah. So I think it, it comes down to reliability of a stream, meaning um, if you want to reach an audience in a, a variety of different um, network conditions, so a mobile device mm -hmm. or a desktop PC or a set-top box, each one of those published locations are going to require 
a different bit rate or different resolution of the of the video stream mm. for the best user experience. Okay. So providing uh, adaptive bitrate outputs through a transcoder is going to give the user uh, a seamless video experience. Okay. Uh, it also creates... real quick. We said ABR. Sure. For people at home listening who don't know what ABR is, can you go over that really quickly? Yeah, so a, a adaptive bitrate uh, streaming or multi-bitrate streaming is uh, providing a dynamic bitrate output, meaning that um, as network conditions fluctuate from the user experience, the viewer itself, the bitrate and resolution of the video will change. And so it will go up or down based okay. on the network conditions. So basically, your internet slows down for whatever reason. It's going to automatically go, oh, we can't handle 1080p without buffering, so let's shoot it down to 240 or whatever it might be. Correct. OK, perfect. Yep. And, and the transcoder is going to listen to the device and understand the device's condition oh. and then provide the appropriate uh, stream based so on its condition. that is conditions. the transcoder that's actually doing that? That's determining the network conditions? It's, it's so the, it's listening to the client, basically. And so oh, as the okay. client's network changes, it provides uh, a different bit rate if needed. OK, cool. Um, it also can help with um, increased startup time. So when you start a stream, it can start up quickly um, versus some lag and some uh, buffering initially. Because it can hit that lower resolution first? Exactly. Cool. Yep, yep. And so lower startup times, less buffering, better user experience, all reasons to, to transcode. Cool. So how does transcoding relate, or I guess differ really, from transmuxing? Yeah, so transmuxing or, or repackaging is simply rewrapping the, the stream. So let's say you ingest RTMP from your um, encoder and then want to publish out an HLS stream and then rewrap that from RTMP and to HLS is what we consider transmuxing. So okay. you wouldn't manipulate the codec, you're not manipulating the resolution or bit rate, um, you're only changing the, the delivery protocol. So okay. um, RTMP to HLS or MPEG-DASH or, okay. or one of those things. Why would you want to do that? Well, it, it goes back to how and where you're publishing the stream. So if you want to play a stream on a native iOS device, the player requires an HLS stream. Okay. Uh, if you want to play to a, a Flash plugin, that's uh, RTMP. So it's, it, it's dictated by your uh, desired playback. Okay. So for ex like as an example, like let's say we were watching like an HBO show right? The way that the transcoder is actually spitting out that video back for me to view is going to be a different actual, I mean, theoretically file format than what you would see if you were just watching it on like a set-top box kind of a thing? Yeah, so that that's a good way to put it. it and it could be even that your set-top box requires a different protocol than your iOS device, okay. but you have both the ability to watch the same content. Okay in real time and therefore you're delivering different protocols out and you're rewrapping them uh, based on the the desired publish point okay and so our software like wow's a streaming engine does all of that stuff correct yep you can simultaneously transcode transrate and transmux and repackage so provide uh, pass-through stream at high resolution and also multiple bit rates out at an HLS uh, protocol delivered to an iOS device or Android device or 
uh, HTML5 player. So the, to put that into the simplest terms, it would basically be really just saying it can take in a video source of pretty much any type, and then it's going to change it into all of the appropriate types so that as many devices as possible can get it back. Or broadcast it, I guess would be a better way to Absolutely. say it. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Cool. So really, without transcoding and transmuxing, there wouldn't be a whole lot of video going on these days because it'd be exclusive to specific devices a lot of times, right? Right. Or like in legacy workflows, you would have um, multiple media servers. Okay. So you could have a server that's outputting only HLS, a server that was outputting only RTMP, a server outputting whatever protocol. And so you have unique boxes running unique media servers to output unique protocols. Okay. Um, so with a, a single server being able to do all of the transcoding and transmuxing or, or repackaging, then you simplify your administrative and management side of the of the workflow and only need to worry about a single application or single, single server. Okay. Cool. I feel like I've got a pretty good handle on it at this point. Is there any other details you want to go over or things that we didn't really mention or things that might be important? Um, you know, those are kind of the, the big... The big difference is I think um, there, there's some different choices of transcoders in the market, hardware versus software. And oh, okay, fair enough. There's pros and cons. Uh, Actually, let's talk about that for a second, hardware versus software. Sure. So uh, we, uh, I have a bias towards software transcoding, <laughs> given the Wowza uh, side of things. And sure. our, our software is, of course, a transcoding um, component there. Um, reasons why I think that's a, a good thing is, you know, for one, it's it's upgradable and, for lack of a better term, future-proof. Okay. Um, so as new codecs and protocols emerge, um, we're supporting those mm -hmm. and you're updating your software. Um, separately, you have the ability to um, switch out your hardware, you know, so change the, the server instance you're running on to leverage mm -hmm. new capabilities from a, a CPU or GPU okay. uh, acceleration type of uh, perspective. Uh, whereas some hardware boxes are your their hardware and you buy it and it's it is what it is. Um, and it, do they do kind of the thing like what Apple does or whatever? It's like, well, if you want the new feature, you got to buy the new product. Yeah, there's yeah. There's not just an so update to the software that makes it, it happen. It's certainly there, there's a lot of different you know models out there. Sure, um, obviously, and, yeah. and that's that's definitely um, one of them. I think. Um, it it tends to be uh, you know hardware solutions tend to be more expensive as well so mm, uh, you enough. know you'll find um, those can be considerably more expensive than a software solution so um, depends on you know cost budget specific workflows but uh, we feel I think we cover all those workflows and at a, a pretty affordable cost awesome. Cool. Well, I think that's going to do it. Uh, as far as my questions are concerned, I feel like we, we covered a lot. Was there anything else? That, uh, did I cut you off at the end there? No. No. I mean, I think we, we've covered the, the basic differences, the primary reasons, you know, why yeah. it matters, where it, it fits in workflows. Um, it's especially critical for delivering reliable live hmm. uh, videos because, you know, uh, as well as I, if if you have a, a buffering or a poor experience in a live event, you lose viewers very quickly and yep. they're not going to come back. So reliability is uh, a huge component of sure. live streaming and, and having that capability um, is a great peace of mind, I think. Yeah, definitely. 
Well, awesome. Um, for anybody listening at home, if we didn't cover a part of this topic that, uh, that you were hoping to get some information on, just send us an email either at support at or you can reach out to sales at wowza.com if you want to talk to somebody like Brian. Uh, other than that, I think that's going to do it for our show today. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. Thanks.